0: You're listening to a podcast by the BCG Henderson Institute, BCG's Think Tank. In this series, hosted by fellow Dave Young, we'll interview business leaders and explore how companies can build competitive advantage by creating a sustainable world. Now on to our episode.
1: So today we're excited to have with us Amanda Surrey, who was the Unilever President of North America, and more importantly, has a long history and insight into perhaps one of the most iconic corporations as a pioneer in working toward through the corporation sustainability and social impact and so we are really pleased Amanda to have you joining us today for you to share a little bit of that journey and some of your insights so with that, maybe if I could ask you to first just provide quick history of your journey at Unilever.
0: It's such an honor to be asked to to talk with you today and, and on a subject that matters enormously to me. And I think it matters more enormously to the world than it ever has before. I have been in this very privileged position of having not only, as you said before, run Unilever North America and before that running Unilever's global foods business, but really being part of Unilever during this period from 2009 onwards, where we really put out our commitment to reducing our environmental impact, improving our social impact and decoupling that from growth. And that was all encapsulated in the Unilever Sustainable Living Plan. We all talk about sustainability now, although I, I would say that it is still not a consumer-facing word. But back in 2009, nobody was talking about sustainability. And you know, all credit to, to Paul Pullman, and he really deserves the credit for putting this bold, audacious commitment out there. And I think... Picking up on some aspects that were deep in the DNA uh, from its founding fathers, but taking it to a modern era and setting out a goal that actually at the time, or a set of goals that at the time, we didn't know exactly how we were going to achieve. It is not about sustainability or business results. It's both, always, at the same time. It's the only way, I think, that you can move sustainability into the heart of the business and gosh, if there's ever been a time that it's needed it, it it's now. You know, It's not about having a group of people who are left to run a business, but thankfully that there's a team of people in a CSR or sustainability department over on the side who are taking care of all of that stuff. No, 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 no. These things have got to come together. It has to be part of the business model. And one of the things that I love the most about the work that BCG has done with TSI is that it is that integration of the material impacts that a business has that you have to make these choices through and really think about what are the areas that society is expecting for you to tackle, which are the things which are really intrinsic to your business model that will bring either more consumer trust or that will bring lower cost, all areas that were going to bring less risk to the business and engender greater resilience.
1: Amanda, it's interesting to get underneath what this actually means for an executive, a leader who's sort of grown up against a series of operational performance metrics and business results. I imagine this had to be sort of a, a, a transformation of mindsets. How did that happen? I do believe that the start point
0: for everybody in the organization was as a result of the values of the business. I think for anybody who is thinking about how they're going to chart their course over the next decade, let's call it, understanding what the values of the business are and what those values need to be, even if at that point you haven't articulated a purpose, are so important laying out an ambition that you actually don't know how you're going to get to, but you know that you need to do, was both catalyzing and scary, I have to say. Certainly at a point in time and perhaps culturally in in Unilever at that moment, it felt uncomfortable to commit to something that you didn't know how you were going to achieve, let alone have already done it and then be talking about it. It also started with having to understand the baseline. And again, when I think back through the learnings I've had over the last decade or so on this, grounding yourself in that understanding of what actually is the impact of the products and services that you sell is so pivotal. I think it's very easy, especially everything that's going on in the world at the moment, especially at a point in time when people are expecting more, and they should, of business than ever, to be reactive to what is happening in the moment and because somebody needs to step up to the plate. But I think in all of your work, BCG, on, on TSI, you keep bringing us back to understanding where are the areas where you and really uniquely you have got to focus. And for anybody who hasn't yet done the detailed mapping of what exactly is their impact all the way through the value chain, that has to be the starting point. They're hard yards. It's the unglamorous stuff. It's where you take accountability for everything from cradle to grave. You leave a sustainable living plan, didn't just deal with this reduction in planetary impact. During the time that products were under the company's own control, no, it dealt with from the growing of ingredients through to the disposal of packaging. In many of those cases, only 30% of the total impact was during the quote-unquote period that the product was under the company's hold. 70% of it was around how consumers used the product. therefore behavior change became a big part of the equation. But that mapping out of where do you sit today, where are these areas that you need to address for tomorrow, and then how are you going to get there? And how are you going to get there, recognizing that it is highly unlikely that you're going to be able to get there on your own. It's highly unlikely that you're even going to be able to get there with the set of partners that you have worked with historically, but you will need to build New partnerships and new ecosystems to be able to get there.
1: Amanda, those are several very powerful ideas that you've brought together in this story. The idea that I steward the product from the beginning to the end, regardless of where it leaves the walls, enters or leaves the walls of the company, is really kind of a systems mindset. That you have to adopt rather than a company out. It's almost a, a system in perspective of the world. And and in this case, Unilever's role within it. A very powerful concept and idea and very foreign, I think, to the way many executives are trained to operationalize their businesses. Could you give us a specific example of what that meant in one of the businesses that you oversaw in your time? One of
0: the examples I would give, and it Again, today, it's probably something that sounds very simple, but it it was around cage-free eggs and mayonnaise. One of Unilever's biggest food brands is is the Hellman's Mayonnaise brand. And sitting here in 2020, it sounds so simple, but I, I think it is a sort of microscopic view of how many of these things, exactly as you said, require systems changes. At the moment that we made that commitment 11 years ago, you actually couldn't buy enough cage free eggs in the American market for the amount that would be required for our Hellman's maine. And so the business committed with its partners, and, and it definitely could have done it without the suppliers that we were working with, to get to the point where now Hellman's is cage free That was a systems change in the, the egg farming industry so that we would get to the more humane treatment of
1: animals. Those are terrific examples of sort of the leverage that the corporation can have in making the world better uh, while conducting its business. I think it's hard for sometimes people to perceive the enormous volumes in businesses like Unilever that actually are consumed or produced every single day. And sometimes we talk about the sum of small changes leading to big things. It sounds like that's evident across Unilever's business then.
0: I think about the number of times when I was a leader in the business, and would proudly cite stats like being used at least once by two billion consumers every day in the planet, and 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 those are moments you're proud of if you work for organizations that have that kind of impact on people. I do think that part of the Unilever journey, certainly part of my own personal journey on this, was the understanding of with that comes a responsibility because you touch so many people so frequently. Actually, all of those small changes can add up to have a big difference.
1: You mentioned that you couldn't do much of this alone sometimes. In addition to things you couldn't control directly, like the consumer that it took partnerships to achieve some of these things, maybe not existing partnerships. Maybe you had to create new ones. Could you talk a little bit about partnerships and the role that they play or should play as people consider more sustainability within their business model?
0: So look, I think there are a number of different aspects of, of partnership, all the way from how do you partner with suppliers? whether that is around packaging or data or any other area so that you can have impact together. There are then the partnerships that are required so that you can have the desired impact. If you want to have programs like hand washing, if you want to be able to address poverty or issues of malnutrition in countries, it's unlikely that your own people on the ground are going to be able to have the kind of impact that an organization like the World Food Program can have because they're built to do that. And therefore, you need that kind of support. And sometimes you need multi-partner arrangements to be able to really deliver those as well. I also believe that you need to have some partners who are going to really serve the role as critical friends for you along the way as well. You can have lots of different names for what you call those groups, whether it's going to be advisory boards or it may be the role that your CSR committee can play for you. But ideally, you need some people who are in the vanguard, who are going to hold you to account for what you've committed to, who are going to be the people in those moments where you think there are some difficult business trade-offs, who will challenge you on it. They will be the people who won't drink the proverbial Kool-Aid, but will stay objective, and will keep you humble. Actually, because when you really get into understanding the the impact that your product range has on the planet or on society. There is such a depth of expertise that is needed. And actually, most of us in general management or even at a specific functional level are probably still only scratching the surface. So surrounding yourselves by those people who are going to keep you honest, but will be constructive as far as helping you to get there. Really important.
1: No, very good. That notion of having a big enough you at all points in time understand both the potential and maybe where you could be doing better. It it seems to be so important to that innovation cycle of improving on both dimensions of the business as well as these environmental and social impacts. Amanda, this has been incredibly insightful. We just want to thank you so much for sharing the uh, experience and your thoughts about what it takes to do this and what it will take to do more of this going forward. Thank you also for your leadership over those years in giving businesses a new model in which to see themselves and to see what's possible in changing the world as well as changing the shape of business. Thank you for your time today. Really appreciate
0: it. My pleasure. Thank you. This podcast was part of our series on building advantage in a sustainable world. For more information on this and other topics, follow the BCG Henderson Institute's research online at bcghendersoninstitute.com and our podcast series on Spotify and Apple Podcast.